0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the India Independent Films Podcast, where we talk about films on a range of subjects with a little focus on film writing. I am Pankaj. I write on my blog, Dichotomy of Irony, and I also contribute articles on the IIF website. I have with me Rahul Desai, critic for the Film Companion and writer for many other publications. Uh, We typically do one podcast every three, four weeks, but it's been quite a while due to some personal scheduling issues from both of us, but hopefully we'll be back on track from now. Uh, Today, I again have three to four areas, uh, which I've discussed with Rahul, but before I go there, Rahul, I have the typical question, how have the last few weeks been and what's been going on and what's been your most memorable watch? Uh, It's
1: been a busy few weeks, obviously. i have actually had an interesting uh, month or so uh, because you know i ended up liking lal La singh chadda quite a bit and a lot of people did not um i i i, I think i i don't know if he spoke about it last time i enjoyed darlings a lot as well um and um, i did also uh, i just uh, finished watching delhi crime the new season yesterday and i'm reviewing it Uh, for Film Companion and uh, I must say that it's you know it's it's for me it's even better than the first season so I very much enjoyed watching that most of this week that's what I was doing I've been unwell most of this week as I just told you I've I'm down with COVID so this is the only kind of uh, uh, writing I'm doing right now which is speaking to you basically Um, but yeah it's it's been a a very interesting and prolific couple of weeks Uh, this I mean this week is a change I've I'm taking rest as uh, as is required but um uh yeah uh, other than that i've been watching quite i've been also uh doing quite a bit of uh casual viewing on my part because i have because over the weekend i was not well so i ended up re-watching a lot of my old favorites like i watched both of the father of the brides of the 90s basically the steve martin ones yeah
0: right.
1: um and uh, i ended up watching interstellar again which was so intense that I think I got fever by the end of it. I watched it many times, but this time was a little different because I think my health sort of just tied into the whole experience of watching the film. So, yeah, all in all, it's been a mixed bag. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it keeps, uh, it, you know, film watching and film uh, and, and, you know, writing about them keeps continuing.
0: I know. I hope you get recovered soon. Uh, and, yeah, it gets better from here. And then you know you mentioned Delhi crime too and that's my first topic for today is like we'll talk a little bit about Shafali Shah yeah. <laughs> you know I went back and read an old piece of you it's very old it's almost like oh. in since 2015 uh, no, and a five, you <laughs> and you wrote it on upper stall at that point okay. in time right. and there is one line that you've written about Shafali Shah uh, and you say that Chipalisha, an actor with the rare ability to simultaneously perform and know exactly how her face behaves on camera, hmm. does it still hold true? And what do you feel about her even now?
1: I feel like it very much holds true. I think she has the movie face in this industry, in in Hindi films, and uh, she's very aware of how to use her face to. To convey a lot of subtext about her characters, you know, because I think some of her most powerful moments on screen over the years have been basically her alone, not speaking really, maybe looking in the mirror, like in Dil Dadak or maybe re- mostly reacting to people. And she is a master of reacting because uh, 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 not many um, actors have the ability to do that. And the way she uses her eyes uh, and her face really stands out. For me, she's one of the finest actresses working in, in the film today. Uh, I'm very happy for the streaming system that took off, you know, like a couple of, like five or six years ago. It's because of that that uh, she's really gotten the kind of work she deserves because Delhi Crime was, in a way, a breakout for her. Even though she had done films before that, she's always been the best actor in most of the ensemble films she's done. Uh, But, you know, as terms of leading roles, I think Delhi Crime for me was uh, really a breakthrough. And it also showed the uh, a lot of people who aren't otherwise familiar with her career and how long she's been an actress for, how she's never really been a heroine as such. Uh, it, it familiarized her with the rest of the country as well and, uh, and very much deserved because she's one of my favorite actresses right now. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, you're happy that people, that actresses like Vidya Balan really sort of... Um, Um, did what they did in mainstream film. It's because of them that, uh, you know, uh, we noticed the talents of Shefali Shah and others like her in the streaming ecosystem. I think that, you know, that line, I would still write it again because uh, every time I watch her on screen, even now, as I mentioned, I just watched Telegram too. uh, I I think there's nobody better at understanding the craft of performance and of uh, of knowing how a camera sort of captures expressions and a face. Uh, sometimes, I mean, the rare time she actually overdid it and it did not hit home was in Humans, uh, which was the Hotstar star web show, which was basically a swing for the fences. That show tried a lot of things. And one of its many sort of casualties was Shefali Shah's performance. So, you know, it, it's not. Something that's infallible, but she controls herself very well in terms of her role. She's had a terrific year already, right? She's done Darling, she's uh, uh, she's she was in Jalsa, and now she's again in Delhi Crime Two, which should bring her back right at the forefront of you know discourse as far as acting is concerned.
0: Right, you know, I was just went back to her filmography. Uh, mm. she, she uh, like, she, it seems that she's been there for quite a while, but. She hasn't, uh, but she's done like so many, because she has so many memorable roles, but in terms of her filmography, you know, it's not a lot of films. It's a few, uh, like, like maybe 20, 25, not a lot of them. So what's been your most memorable Shefali Shah role? Like, what do you like, or when did you first, you know, just started noticing her? Oh, wow. She's great.
1: I mean, I think a lot of us noticed her in Satya itself when she was, you know, formerly Shefali Chaya. Uh, mm. She that's when she also as well came. Uh, she came onto the scene, and I, I mean, I'd still say um, one of my favorite performances of hers uh, was one of her early performances, basically after Satya, which was Monsoon Wedding, because you know she was a pivotal character in that film, and that the the face acting that I talk about. Um, really came to the fore in that film she was far younger of course but uh, it, it was it was the sort of performance that you know um, really made a career for me because uh, and that remains my favorite performance i also i mean i remember in all of the films i grew up watching like a couple through the 2000s also like her bit roles in mopate where she's you know uh, she always sort of ends up she has that sort of almost perfect aura uh on screen of being able to sort of portray vulnerability and strength at once right because she's always like playing a dimension of womanhood in most of her roles uh and she she manages to uh sort of uh, bring it across without really overdoing it or without really making a statement and i feel like a lot of that is down to lived in experience it's down to her own experience as uh not only an actress but as a person uh, as well i'm guessing and um you know i'm and another one of the performances I noticed when I was in college um, after these uh, titles that I mentioned was in uh, Ritu Panagosh last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, even in that, you know, like I, I did not, I wasn't very familiar with her before that. I could not make the connection that this was the Shefali Chaya I saw in Satya. Uh, but uh, as soon as I saw on screen, you get that very familiar sort of feeling of, of watching someone who is very curious and very... Uh, um, very sort of attuned to what she's doing uh, uh, on screen. I have, and you know, the, uh, and you're right that she's not done. Actually, a lot of films over the years now that I'm seeing, but uh, um, but you know, whatever she has done, uh, it, it's impossible not to really um, not to really forget basically. Because yeah. uh, uh, of course, Dil Dakne Do was you know in a way a return to you know mainstream conscience and uh, even public conscience, in a way. Uh, but, you know, since then, you can count the number of things she's done, like the short film Juice, which was nice. directed by Neeraj Gevan. I think she was terrific in that. And, mm. you know, um, uh, she's, she's sort of played a version of that in most of her films and her role since then. Uh, I just think her versatility is, is is really, really impressive for someone who's been around for so long, but who's also been sort of in the... Shadows of you know of mainstream directors of Hindi film sort of sensibilities, uh, and as I said, you know the streaming uh, ecosystem is a blessing because mm-hmm. thanks to it we see her really um, really jump back into the forefront. I I'm not sure if you've seen once again as well because it was an indie film that I think came out on Netflix uh, where where she's sort of starring with Neeraj Kabi. Yes. It's it's one of the very rare love stories that she's done. You know, like we call it quote unquote a mature story, mm-hmm. but but that's the thing, you know, there's no label to that, uh, the, the way she plays that character in a love story. It's very Lunchbox-like, almost an imitation of that that little theme. And she was terrific. You know, both Neeraj Kabi and her really play off each other uh, very well in that film. So that, too, is one of my recent very
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, very memorable Shefali Shah performances.
0: Right, right. Uh, I remember your once again piece. I think you... If I'm not wrong, I think you mentioned a little bit about ghosts in that film and Tamasha, something like that. I remember reading that. And, you know, like I was again on Viki in Satya, she just actually has a seven minute role, but it's still like, you know, so memorable uh, that everybody remembers that small bit that she did. Um yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, I already had a question on the last year, but which you already answered. And she won the national award for the last year, National Supporting actress Award. Um, oh, she did? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you already touched on this, but uh, she's, you wrote once again wrote that she's never delivered a bad performance, but still humans. What mm. exactly was the thing with humans that uh, just didn't work for you?
1: I'm not sure, you know, like it's, it's hard to tell when a great actor delivers like a, a weird performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to tell if it's really badly directed or sort of badly written or it's just the actor sort of uh, building upon the sort of premise she's or the world she's occupying. Um, I mean, Humans was in general a very excessive sort of almost a sci-fi thriller, almost a medical thriller in a way. Uh, it, it was, I mean, it was very ambitious, and I think that ambition sort of spilled into um, how differently she was trying to play an antagonist, right? Because when when women actors play, uh, say, quote-unquote, villains in, in, you know, in Hindi film and Hindi storytelling, um, I always feel like we fetishize the... Um, the way they come, you know, the the way they portray a certain kind of human negativity. They need, uh, as opposed to actors, they, it's almost like it falls upon them to look and sound a little different, and to make sure that we know what we are seeing is that a rare sort of female villain. Um, and and I think that um, might have been stretched a little bit too much in okay. humans because she was doing a very funny thing with her voice, which which might have been good, you know, if it had, uh, if she had pulled it off. But as it turns out, you know, it, it, it came across as something really uh, almost awkward, almost deformed. And it, it felt like she was trying too hard. Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it's entirely her fault. And I don't think the performance was bad per se. It was just a very, very strange um, sort of um, misinterpreted sort of performance. And I, I feel like... Uh, uh, it, the kind of references she must have been given for that performances, uh, for that performance might might have you know ranged from something like, you know something like Joker to something like uh, uh, something more sort of human, uh, something more inward than that. And uh, I, I just don't think that human uh, humans understood uh, what Shefali Shah brings to the table. It didn't trust her enough maybe to create something out of nothing. Uh, the script. May not have trusted her enough, and uh, I guess in that whole pursuit of trying to make a statement and trying to be uh, a very emphatic sort of character in the in the series, uh, it sort of fell through the cracks.
0: Right, right. Okay, you know, like uh, we are, again, you already touched her eyes are very powerful, and yeah. I am almost sometimes you know scared of them. She does anger very well, but in Jalsa. Uh, do you think she was miscast as a domestic worker? Did you feel something on that side?
1: At first, you know, uh, funny you mention it. At first, when I started watching Jalsa, I did feel like, uh, given that she has played the other side of Jalsa, right? The character right. that Vidya Palin plays, she plays in a lot of her films also. Uh, um But, uh, uh, you know, it's funny because by that same yardstick, you could say that she was miscast in a film like Darlings as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like they are siblings of each other, the character she plays in Jalsa and in Darlings. But, um, you know, aside from how authentically she plays the character, I feel like she brings a level of soul and honesty to to both the performances that sort of transcend our... um, you know, our reading of how she sounds linguistically, or how her voice, how her dialect is, or how her body language is. Uh, somehow there's there's a sense of gravitas about both the characters because in Jalsa, her character um, uh, it becomes the pivot of the film, right? It becomes the ideological and uh, sort of uh, almost gender pivot of the film. And and for me, uh, what Shefali Shah is as an actress was more important than the character she played so I thought eventually it turned out to be good casting eventually I don't think that she was miscast but though it did play on our notions of whether she belongs in this environment or not but I thought uh, you know one of the uh, one of the most powerful scenes in that film was her screaming in the end yeah. uh, uh, towards the end when she when the, her shriek just pierces the screen because it, it's just a notion of her career till then that accumulates and makes us React to the scene in a very primal way, and I, I really liked. Uh, I really liked what she brought to the table beyond the physicality of her role, because it she proved in that role and also in Darling's, where I thought initially that she was miscast. She she proved in both roles that um, it's really not only about uh, how you embody or how whether you look like you belong to an environment, because uh, uh, when you become sort of a primary character under the guise of a secondary character. Then it becomes so much more than, uh, say, uh, you know, uh, speaking a certain language or uh, playing a certain, uh, you know, playing a certain sort of, uh, playing a certain character in a certain setting of class, religion, caste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Shefali Shah is capable of uh, of transcending all of that, and she is, which is why I felt like both in Darlings and Jalsa, even though the physicality wasn't right up there. Uh, I, I think uh, what she contributed to the, the film is better for her performances uh, uh, and and the way she portrays uh, both the characters.
0: Right, right. Wonderful. Um, have you seen any of her TV shows?
1: I haven't. I'm just noticing yes. that in the 90s, she did a fair bit of TV. Yeah. Uh, including Tara, which is weird because I used to watch quite a bit of Tara with my mother. Um, I did not notice her back yeah. then.
0: Yeah, same here. You know, I was looking at the wiki. I don't remember her in Tara, but I very well remember her in Hasrate, which was a Mm. very wonderful show where, again, you know, it was about a married and a slightly older woman who has an extramarital affair with another man. Uh, And Mm. it's about how, you know, like it was so ahead of its time for that, like in the late 90s. And one of the best shows I was reading again, like how Indian Express called it, uh, like a really landmark. And I keep on like hoping that I'll revisit it because, you know, we were very young at that point when we don't understand these nuances, but it's no longer available anywhere. But yeah, I, I think she's, her body of work is so diverse and so good. I I yeah. just, it's very uh, underrated, but I think she's getting that opportunities now. Okay. Yeah. You know, then I have this question about Delhi crime not about her but in general uh, uh the, so I was reading some you know Delhi crime was been largely applauded but I read one of these pieces like like a show like Delhi crime just portrayed the good side of the police you know mm. not not exactly glorifying the police like singham sorts of films but still a relatively you know a one-sided picture mm. of the police mm. did you feel that? In season one, yeah,
1: season I, I mean, I came across the criticism later. I loved the first season, it's still one of my favorite shows in Indian streaming. Uh, I did come across the criticism later, and I feel that it isn't entirely unfounded. Like, uh, given the timing and given the current situation in the country, given the so many um, sort of tales of police brutality that we hear, especially of in Delhi. Uh, I mean, the timing is a little off, of course, but I don't think it is a glorification or only showing the good side of the Delhi police. What it does is basically create a fictional sort of police team in Delhi uh, that is basically um, struggling to stay, uh, struggling to retain a sense of integrity within a larger uh, sort of uh, picture of bigotry and picture of corruption. Uh, which I found very interesting because in that sense, it's a it's a story of any other underdog. It just happens to uh, uh, any other underdog group. It just happens to be about the police at the wrong time in the country. And I feel that what that criticism that it got in season one, um, it addresses it in season two for people who are going mm. to watch season two. I feel okay. like uh, it is very aware of the reaction it got in season one and it customizes itself and it's a very rare show that listens to what happened and tries to evolve beyond that and tries to sort of use our biases against the show which is that it's a police show that shows the good side of the police mm-hmm. to show that there are good people there are good and bad in every sort of profession in life be it the police be it right. you know corporate type be it and uh be it uh be it viewers as well you know because we uh whenever we see a police show now we are very visibly cynical, saying, "What is the point?" You know, uh, I, I don't. Uh, maybe it is being dishonest. It's being corrupt. It's being opportunistic. But we also have to look beyond that and between the lines and the nuances. Are the police force mm-hmm. uh, courageous enough to be portrayed as vulnerable? Are they flawed as well? Yes, they are, and they are human. So this this second season really humanizes them. If you can argue that the first season was about them becoming heroes uh, under the pressure of a moment and uh, uh, that that's what that's why I feel like um, it's that rare sort of franchise, if you can call it that. That um, that is very aware of the world it occupies, and mm. uh, and that that um, how many shows forget forget people who don't take feedback and then become better. Uh, how many shows or entire sort of stories or uh, productions have the have the sort of integrity to do that and then evolve into something better. And I feel like it's done that, even though it didn't need to, you know, it could have Mm -hmm. gone on the same sort of way, but it is visibly more complex and more nuanced. And I really like that about this particular show.
0: Got it, got it. Okay. You know, you wrote about Shiva Chadda recently. I hope you'll write something about Shefali Shah soon as well.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I hope so
0: yeah okay i think we spoke uh, a lot about shivali now let's move to next topic for today uh, something on you know anurag kashyap he's also been in news uh, recently yeah. not just for dubara but for his some of his interviews and statements that he's been making but you know he's not made like a hugely successful film uh, as in his career but he's still an important voice and you know a lot of film watchers and sort of film bros swear <laughs> by him how do you mm. see his contribution uh, to the Indian film how, how has he is he has been a good influence has he changed the industry like it's become less masala and blah 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 something on that side
1: I mean I wouldn't say anything broad about it but I do think that he's affected the industry in a good way uh,
0: mm.
1: you know um, this entire culture of cinephilia started with him because he's the original indie voice in a country that not really had a lot of space for parallel cinema per se, and he bridged that gap between parallel cinema and mainstream cinema, right? Like, and that's what his career arc also uh, shows him trying to sort of dip his fingers into these various sensibilities and uh, and and you know uh, sort of trying to make a career out of it. But uh, you, you know, he yeah, he hasn't made a, a successful film, but I think his legacy is very successful because. Right. Uh, he's changed the way casting has been, sort of, uh, has operated in Hindi cinema, his Gangs of Wasaipur really changed the game, made casting yeah. professional, uh, and everything we see, all these actors that we see, uh, all these bit roles, the supporting roles, the Scam 92s, the Pataloks, people who've not gotten the dues for so many roles, all stem from what he did with Gangs of and, uh, and and I, you know, that... He has to be given credit for, even if he's, you know, stumbled as a filmmaker or as a voice in the last uh, mm-hmm. in the last decade. Or so uh, that that you know, it often happens where you know, uh, given that he came up under someone like Ram Gopal Varma, I feel like he uh, very much is trying to resist falling into the same trap that Ram Gopal Varma might did. Uh, not only as a filmmaker, but as a not only as a creative person, but as a person also. Uh, and I feel that a lot of cinephilia that stems from the Kashyap legacy tends to be a little toxic as well. Uh, because a lot of it tends to be very exclusive and refuses to sort of, um, and almost snobbish for lack of a better yeah. word. Uh, I, I, and that um, I feel like is not something he can undo. But what he can do is give the sort of interviews that he's been giving and putting a sort of voice and opinionated voice to uh, to our feelings or to, uh, to our sort of relationship with the Hindi film industry. A lot of what he says is very much, it makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of truth in it. And he's been to hell and back. We've seen that right. in his career right. as well. Uh, I, I think he's doing a very good sort of uh, job of voicing all of that and of representing a certain line of thought without being nihilistic about it uh, you know of course i admire his politics and all but that should not shape my perception of him as an artist always and uh, i feel like he tends to fall prey to that entire ideological uh, symbol that he's become like his uh, his uh, previous film i think uh, which was um, which film was uh, before choked i think choked uh, yeah choked was a very good example of how uh, uh, the person falls prey to his legacy, um, and I think what he's done with Dobara is also very interesting. It's gotten mixed reactions, mixed reviews, but I I quite liked what he was trying to do, and I feel like he's trying to make himself the sort of filmmaker, um, something like Steven Spielberg, who's sort of versatile enough where you where you watch a Steven Spielberg film and don't know it is a Steven Spielberg film until his name sort of appears. Um, okay. uh, you know uh, that is the sort of versatility i think he's been trying to embrace for a while and uh since he's stopped writing his own films uh it's been a bit hit or miss uh you know manmarjaya was a very good film but at the same time choked and dobara have been very divisive uh but but you know i on the whole i feel like he's been a good thing for indian cinema and for introducing us to uh, uh introducing us to the wider world of sort of global cinema or film festivals, he really did trigger the culture of film festivals, uh, of Indian films going to film festivals here. Um, so I, I think on the whole, it's been a good thing. I just get very wary when uh, when he starts sort of speaking about uh, about films, about his passion for film and this and that, because I feel a lot of people blindly follow that and then end up sounding like him without quite doing the kind of things he does. And that is, that, that's not right.
0: Has he made a bad film?
1: I don't think he's made a bad film. His films have sort of gone from very interesting to um, to sort of almost um, uh, almost like it's consuming itself. He's never stopped being interesting, basically. And that's a good thing because even if he fails, there's always something interesting. Right. Even I was very fascinated by what he was trying to do with Chota. Uh, very fascinated that he took time travel on as a genre in, in Dobara. How many filmmakers at this stage of their career would do that? Uh, and you could not tell it was an Anurag Kashyap film, and that has been the criticism labeled against Dobara. But I actually quite like that, you know, that you can't tell uh, that, because he's then breaking out of his own voice and sort of spreading, uh, and it shows that he's still very curious about his voice and his craft, and he's still trying to discover different dimensions of it. Um you could argue that films like uh, Bombay Velvet were bad, but I don't think they were because mm-hmm. a, a bad film is a is you know is can be like a Tiger Shock film or an action film uh, starring John Abraham. It can those can be re- really bad, terrible, uh, objectively bad films. But I don't think you can call a Kachar film objectively bad. Yes, it can be pompous. Yes, it can be self-indulgent. Yes, it can be uh, very proud of what it is and very mes- messy, and very hurried, I, I found a lot of his filmography uh, sort of tending to say a, say a lot of what he knows, uh, and struggling to sort of contain it within a narrative. And uh, he can have a lot of those flaws, but I don't think he can be all out bad.
0: Right. You know, that's why the, I asked this question, because I, when I looked at his filmography, I didn't find anything that was, you know, terrible, terrible. like you might not necessarily like some of his films, but it wasn't like, okay, it's bad types, like it's terrible, like, oh, it's not even worth watching. There's always something interesting there. Even though like some films like Choked, I felt they were just a little dull and boring, Uh, but they were not bad films per se. So that's why I I just asked this question. So related to that, um, what's your most favorite Kashyap film?
1: Um... I'm, I'm a good question. My, I mean, my most favorite Kashyap film for the longest time was Black Friday. Because, you know, right. uh, that was also the film a lot of us were introduced uh, to him as a director with. Uh, because Parch didn't release. Um, but, you know, like, looking back, I think he's, um, he's sort of like really... What he did between, say, 2006 and 2012 or thirteen. Uh, can never be replicated because you could almost sense the landscape under you shift while he was making every film whether it be Dave D or No Smoking or or uh, you know or Gulal or Gangs of Wasseypur which was arguably his most famous film um I, I think and you know i even liked his i even liked his efforts like Ugly even though they were very flawed uh, even Girl in Yellow Boots for that matter i was I quite like that film when I watched it. I remembered, so I've never not had something to take back from his films. Uh, but I'd say my personal favorite still remains Black Friday. Um, you know, for for the kind of for what it represented when it released. You know, I don't know how it's aged. I've not seen it since I watched it the first time. But I know the impact it's left with me, and I want to keep sort of staying in that impact rather than watching it again to see whether it's aged well or not. Whether it's a, so, the, I, I'd still say that was one of his best efforts.
0: And where would you put Manmarzia? You know, you had done this ranking uh, at yeah. the time of Manmarzia release. Now, would you put it in the bottom half? Uh, or like no, the I, half?
1: I definitely put it in the top half. But again, you know, the top half also has so many films yeah, in his right. case. But, uh, but as I said, you know, Manmarzia is a, is a film he didn't write and uh, it did not feel like an Anurag Kashyap film, even though he brought that very manic energy to it. Uh, it felt like he was trying to do something different. And I always admire directors and filmmakers who who do that rather than stick to a certain ideology or a certain uh, grammar of filmmaking. And Manmarzia has, you know, I, I've grown fonder of it over time, the more I think about it. Uh, so it definitely would be in the top five for of Kashyap's or top six of Kashab's films uh, for that matter. Again, because it's it's such a safe genre if you look at it that way. It's something yeah. Imtiaz Ali had been... Doing for the longest time, it's something toxic love stories and you know like these love triangles have been Hindi cinema staple. I love what he did to it in terms of just the tone and just the energy that he brought to that film. Um, and and that's the thing, like that hit is uh, uh sort of thing. Sometimes on a bet on a on a worse day may not sort of work, but I, I felt like with Manmarziya, I really managed to make a statement.
0: Right, right, and you know we touched upon like this thing like. Uh, he's no He he doesn't write a lot of his films now. Like Manmazya he didn't write. Mm. Dubara was also a remake. I think Choked also is written by yeah. He did.
1: yeah. somebody
0: else. Uh, I don't recall Mukkabaas. I think, but Mukkabaas is also written by somebody else. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, is that a <coughs> has that uh, led to a decline in his quality of the films because it has become more hit or miss. <laughs>
1: Uh, no, I don't think it's led to a decline in quality. Like, for example, he was always hit or miss even in the beginning. So many people hated No Smoking and Bombay Velvet and Girl in Yellow Boots. None of them got like fully great reviews, right? right? right. Uh, none of them were totally critically acclaimed except maybe Gangs of Wasipur or or, you know, Devdi. But um, that's the thing, like uh, when a director chooses to adapt someone else's words and voice. It's a different kind of filmmaking exercise, right? You're trying to see a world through someone else's eyes and then try to infuse your own voice into it while making it, while translating it onto screen. And uh, I feel like Kashyap is addicted to that sort of filmmaking Mm -hmm. right now. And I don't think that made him less interesting. If anything, on the contrary, I feel like uh, he's trying to reinvent himself in different ways now. And i just hope he doesn't get too sort of complacent about his legacy because it's very easy to sit back and say i am anurag kashyap i you know i don't really need to do anything else because i've already changed the industry and changed the way people view hindi films uh, and, and I was worried, I saw a little of that complacency in a film like Choked, which, which is where he thought he could get away with anything and people would still sort of laud him. Uh, that, that arrogance uh, is part of his personality, I very much like it, because it shows in the right way in a lot of his films. Uh, but when he's adapting someone else's uh, stories, someone else's uh, words and voice and, uh, and ideologies, I think, um, uh, I, I, I think that is something he needs to temper. It also feels like he's evolved as a person, if you hear him in his interviews over the years. Yeah. And that evolution as a person, that maturity, mm-hmm. uh, the openness to more opinions around him, uh, I feel has translated in, into him wanting to take someone else's opinion, someone else's words, and uh, making it into films. And mm-hmm. that that openness to other writers to different kinds of writers who, who you would never associated with uh, associate with kashyap otherwise uh, i feel is very interesting
0: okay. right okay now next move to the next topic which is more about just a conversation about you know the existentialism facing bollywood before i go there you know Amitabh Bachchan has a problem with the word bollywood do you have any issues with using that word
1: <laughs> I mean, so many people have, have a problem with Bollywood and I, I don't care. It's just for me, it's just something that helps me identify with the film industry. I I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's trivializing anything. It mm-hmm. is an identity that people, people very conveniently flaunt it when they want to talk about masala movies or when the hol- when when the West sort of looks at Hindi films. The, then the term Bollywood is flaunted, but when we are referring to our own films, uh it's 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 weird that we we are very uh, touchy about these particular terms.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. Now, do you think you know there has been so many boycott calls every second day something is boycotted? Do you think it, it actually impacts the film's business?
1: Uh it's a good question, you know, because like I for me, for someone like me, it's really difficult to tell because, you know, I, in general, I'm not like uh, sort of someone with a hand on an audience pulse, but uh, mm. I do feel like it does affect the perception of a film, like a lot of films, whether we like it or not, work through word of mouth, you know, the lot of mid-range and smaller films. And uh, when you start boycotting a Kashyap film, it might just show on uh, the way it's received or the box office collections. I don't think it affects bigger films like Singh Chadda. Um, I think if Singh Chadda would have been something as powerful as PK, uh, something as brave as PK, or something uh, a, a little more uh, out there, uh, then it might have done well either way. Um, but having said that, I, I do think these boycotts are very... Um, I mean, they do in the long run i feel like they do affect uh, how we think of a film industry and how it adds to that entire sort of wave against hindi cinema right now right that's going on the because the internet whether you like it or not is where uh, where a lot of opinion making and sort of policy making is done these days in india as well uh, you know that there's the i mean yeah. it, e- even the sort of administration uses the internet as a weapon now and uh, and and given that given how twitter has grown in a in public conscience over the years i i do feel like uh, it's turning a lot of people within the film industry like people who are journalists people who are uh, are writers people who are uh, participants in the film industry it's turning a lot of them um, sort of into this very binary argument of why can't we be like south films or why can't yeah. we be uh, uh, if, if I, why aren't we as audacious as them? It's never as simple as that, right? It's an accumulation of the quality over the years, of a lot of flaws over the years. And to suddenly wake up and say, we are going to boycott Hindi films and they are terrible. And and they are largely terrible. I get it. But most film industries tend to be. It's just that uh, a lot of uh, Hindi filmmakers have dropped the ball and the pandemic has complicated things as to how we react to films or how we want to watch films. We don't want to make an effort to go to theaters as we did one because we know it'll come on streaming. Um, so, so the boycott calls only add to that noise, that paraphernalia around a particular film or a, around a particular industry. I'd like to believe it doesn't affect uh, commercial performances, but nowadays, mm-hmm. given how sort of fragile commercial performances tend to be, especially in this post-pandemic world. Um, uh, you know uh, anything and everything could be a factor and it all makes a very small dent in in how the film is also viewed in the future you know in, in with hindsight
0: so you know you think like uh, let's say films like uh, uh, shamshera or lal singh chadda raksha maybe not raksha bandhan but like shamshera and lal singh chadda would do you think they would have worked pre pandemic
1: Mm, i think lal singh chadda might have worked um, pre pandemic i think it might have been i don't know if it might have worked but it might have done a lot better like mm. uh, people might have been more accepting of uh, of uh, an american film uh, which is not as bad as thugs of hindustan which is not as good as some of his like say dangal or pk at least uh, for people uh, but yeah, I do believe that it could have been a very different sort of reception to *Lal Singh Chanda in a pre-pandemic world. The entire grammar of viewing and you know filmmaking or sort of distribution has changed. So it's it's again you know it's it's the kind of thing that um, is such a significant shift in in culture uh, in movie viewing culture that uh, I, I feel like in 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 the years to come. Um, you know, uh, other than spectacles or event films, I feel like uh, e- even they will be more afraid because even I've, I heard of a bunch of films now going directly to OTT after sort of uh, Singh Chadda's tanking and after Shamshera's tanking. But, um, you know, I, I do feel like Shamshera might have flopped in any era, in any uh, sort of decade because it's objectively not a good film. But... Uh, Lal Singh does have a lot of redeeming traits in it and I feel like the reception was a little unfair to the film which is weird because I have not liked a lot of American films in the last 15 years, even some of his uh, best films uh, or even some of the ones who made so much money. But uh, yeah, I do find it unfortunate uh, uh, that the timing of Lal Singh Chadda also affected his uh, his performance. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh... Are this the whole conversation about the decline of Bollywood uh, and all, like it's dying and all? Is it overhyped, or do you think this <clears throat> industry really, really struggling with the OTT in the coming years? The
1: industry is struggling with you know the influx of mm. OTT because people, I mean, filmmakers can't just sort of phone it in now and expect the audiences to watch whatever trash they make. But I don't, the decline has been there for years. I don't know why people have just woken up to it. Of course, it's very right. political also. You know, it's an entire, I mean, anyone smart can tell. It's also sort of a, a, a right-wing sort of a conspiracy to get Bollywood in line and be the stooges that they've been for so long. It just. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where for people like me who've been watching films for so long and week after week, it's nothing surprising. It's been in decline for the longest time. And as much as I like that people are noticed that, oh, Hindi cinema is just not up to the mark anymore, uh, I find the circumstances very unfortunate or the way it's being conveyed very unfortunate. Because everything is being done for an agenda. It's not because they actually feel or they actually want Hindi cinema to succeed. It's more uh, It's more like hatred uh, is the language of this country and it's extending to so many okay. other things, is extending to cinema as well. It's not that, it's not um, rooted in any uh, it's not rooted in any sense of hope, you know. I don't think anyone uh, is giving solutions, or I don't think anyone is uh, uh, wondering how uh, their beloved Hindi cinema will be back. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a circle of criticism and a circle of sort of just uh, panning and and sort of uh, just um, sort of hatred, as I said, and it's it's tying into the larger atmosphere in the country and it it all merges into one thing at in the end so the entire things of using films as a device uh, is coming true now so for me yeah it's always been in decline since i say since i think 2012 or so so uh, it, it really isn't surprising
0: okay no i'll now come to the next topic uh, you know you recently wrote a piece on which was i was a little surprised by it because I thought it might be a little like you know appreciative <laughs> but when I read it I actually realized you know you brought about a very interesting aspect of it um, mm. which was you know uh, so the article is called What lies beneath the facade of happy families in Hamae Hakon you know how it basically put India more on the traditionalist path and what's surprising was how you took Hamae as a precursor of DDLJ, in terms of you know how parental consent is much more important, um, so, uh, so a little bit about that uh, film. Uh, you don't like it now if you revisit it.
1: I mean, I never liked it um, okay. to begin. With. Like yeah. I was, uh, I was never a fan. Of course, back then as a child, you didn't see um, right through right. a film. Right. Like only later when you like think about a film. Because it was such a landscape shifting film right it was the biggest thing in the country for a long long time it was a it was just a, it was a phenomenon and uh, and then because I'm occupying the current sort of era of cinema and watching films week after week and watching films sort of regress into a particular direction say it war films nationalistic films action films right. uh, you wonder where it all started somewhere right like because we know for a fact that the 70s and 80s were a very different kind of cinema. They were uh, uh, they were sort of more about rebellion than they were about uh, sort of uh, falling in line with what your parents say or what the establishment say. Um, so I I sort of um, so when I was thinking about hum uh, apke I, I I sort of like obviously it is a leap of faith. To hold that film responsible for everything that is wrong with uh, the sort of regressionist undertones of Hindi cinema today, but I do believe that is where things changed because the entire parental consent thing can easily be read as subservience towards a particular system and tradition, and that subservience, as we know right now, has has sort of uh, sort of mushroomed into something far more sinister, uh, and it always starts with something personal with the family which extends to the country right and for me yeah. I, I felt like hamke kon was that very powerful film it did so well uh, and it was also embraced by a generation that was looking to uh, sort of um, sort of almost defy this post liberalization country right they didn't know how to deal with a lot of changes a lot of us did not know how to deal with this the sudden uh, sort of uh, the sudden economic reforms in the country, the sudden liberalisation sort of spreading, and, and that is when we sort of subconsciously really um, uh, latch on to the first sort of really uh, event film that we find. And I felt like *Hamma KevCon was at the right time at the right place. I am not saying it was made with the sole purpose to turn audiences into the into the sort of people who's, who sort of trigger the kind of films that are coming out today. Uh, but uh, I do feel like Hum Khan Kon was uh, was sort of a, um, almost like a shifting point in our culture that I don't think has changed ever since. Because since then there have been moments like Dil Chaita Hai coming out, or like, uh, or for that matter, like Delhi Belly coming out. But they've always been felt like sort of uh, different uh, subplots of Hindi cinema. They are not the primary the plot of mainstream Hindi cinema. And uh, that's where I feel like Khan might have uh, shaped the way we, not just we think, but an entire generation of films sort of kept adapting that formula to make it into something more subservient and more uh, tradition bending and more uh, sort of uh, more attuned to the mood of the country. And, and that, I guess, is why I felt like, I mean, I never really liked the film, but when I was thinking about my dislike for the film, I I came to this certain sort of realization that it may have been that very epoch-defining moment.
0: Right. Uh, do you think that's the same issue or the struggle that Aditya Chopra is facing now? Because you know he seems more of a traditionalist uh, as well, uh, and then uh, like of course he's a producer, but. Given his films like after Mohabbate, even he wrote Japta Jaan and Befikre, he's still in that Suraj Pal Jatya mold? Or yeah, what I do you think like of Aditya Chopra?
1: I mean, Aditya Chopra obviously, like, uh, I mean, I felt like he's always tried to, his films have always been like this internal battle between parental consent and individuality. I thought like Befikre tried something very interesting. Uh, as mm-hmm. did uh, films like Mopath and you know DDLJ to start with, I feel like his every subsequent film of his is is a reaction to the previous film and I, I, and that's what I feel like where he's missed the bus as a producer basically because he's so caught up in sort of trying to guess what the audiences want and try to guess uh, base, base his guesses on what the audiences used to accept, which is you know Bjaya's brand of cinema that i feel like um, he, he sort of missed the bus in trying to uh, in trying to create a particular uh, in trying to fuse the modern with the traditional and that that entire fusing of the modern and the traditional is you know it's like a, for me it's like as dissonant as making a, a horror comedy or or you know combining two very different genres together uh, it, it is um, I, I, that's why i feel like aditya chopra seems to have lost the plot a bit uh, because, first of all, he's heading a production house. So his sensibilities as a filmmaker are mm-hmm. then attuned to thinking how to make a film succeed, which is where, you know, uh, the entire traditionalism and modernism all all mix into one very messy porridge. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess that Aditya Chopra is sort of stems from that generation. But he's always tried to have a conversation with himself through his films about um, about the sort of cinema as father used to represent and uh, and Yashad used to represent to the kind of sort of pivot it took towards very modernist, uh, very sort of um, um, very uh, glossy um, cinema that it eventually came to represent. Right,
0: right, right. OK, also I covered almost everything that I wanted to talk today, but you know, it's almost, it will be actually a year of our podcast next year. We started this last year. I remember the first time we did it in like first week of September. So I've been so fortunate enough to learn from you in person, as I told you before that I wanted to interview you uh, like you did for Baladwaj Rangan. But somehow I got this opportunity and we initially focused on film writing. And I think we covered a lot of areas. Now we focus a little bit on deep dives. How have you felt about this podcast? <laughs>
1: I have really enjoyed this podcast. As I said, for me, it's really yeah. a monthly or sometimes even a bi-monthly yeah. uh, way of really uh, taking stock and you know talking to someone mm. uh, uh, you know who who's more or less on the same wavelength. And it is, yeah. and I can't believe it's been a year already because it just really right. feels like. <laughs> uh, but I very much like this you know routine, yeah. and I I do lo- you know love sort of trying to put to words what. Uh, you know what I go through sort of on a week on a weekly basis and trying to rationalize it with you uh and you know I must say that you know your questions are really uh I, a lot of your uh, a lot of the way the kind of topics you bring up most of the time uh are exactly the kind of things I probably needed to get into deeper mm-hmm. or talk about so you know I've enjoyed myself equally and mm-hmm. uh I you know I hope we keep doing this yeah
0: likewise I mean I, I told like I'm got to learn from you and I hope a lot of the people who've been listening it has been um, uh, something like you know something to take back like it's not just a podcast where we discuss but you know something to learn a new insight about so I have only received some feedback from folks and it's been encouraging and it Mm. was like you know public speaking is not my forte but I hope we continue to have more of these in the future. So thanks again, Rahul, and thanks to everyone again for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks.